1: Welcome to the World Football Program, Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM, Community Radio. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Myself, Penny Tanner-Hoth, Peter Skeller, and Miranda Templeman in the studio today. How do I do, Pete?
2: That was perfect.
1: Woo-hoo, you <laughs> ripper. Thank you, everybody, for being a member, listening in, landing on our Facebook page, which you can put a shout-out to your teammates, teams, brothers, sisters, whatever, if you want to, and also lob some news on there about football. We're happy to share. We're on air for two hours. Our guest lineup for today is Chris Tanner, who is from Zenith Sports and Events Management. He'll be joining us from over east to talk about a lot of things football. We are going to have a chat to Elizabeth Ree, who is the president of the Football Hall of Fame West Australia and a councillor in the city of Stirling about how sport is travelling in the community. We'll have a chat to Neil Bennett, who has many hats, Northern Redbacks media, women's football writer, and he's a weatherman as well. Well, you know, the weather is pretty damn awesome today for football, which is fantastic. You won't need to tell us that part. We'll have a chat to Matt Stacey, who's Perth Glory's number one man fan. He's the man in purple everywhere. He's always wearing something purple. And we'll talk about anything else we can fit into that two hours. Thank you for the partners that support us, West Coast Futsal, West Fencing and Rort Iron Gate and Fence Hardware WA. We do appreciate the partnerships over the years. Pete, good morning to you. What's your football news for the week? What's impressed you or not? What's
2: impressed me? Thursday night, indoor soccer, we won 5-4 <laughs> with a goal in the last 20 seconds. Big ups to Eric McCallum who put that one away. So,
1: Are we talking finals?
2: No, no, just just standard league. So that was my big news. Nice you know, Seeing work. as Glory's not in the grand final or anything, I've you know, got to find what I can.
3: <laughs> nice work. And, Miranda, what about your week? How's it panned out? Yeah, pretty good. What Tuned into the live stream last night of um, Mum FC versus Perth in the WNPL, which was a cracker of a game. Mm-hmm. Ended up with Perth um, beating Mum FC 1-0 yeah. to equal the points on the top yep. of the ladder. Mum FC still hold the top spot on goal difference, but it's 22 points apiece at the
1: moment. They have a massive goal difference. Mm. Yep. Gary Morocchi, the president of Perth Soccer Club, was down there. He was a very happy lad. <laughs> very happy first year in the women's npl got to be happy with that for sure um football news this week well we've had the final and look i have to say that ryan grant mullet man yep man, he is good
2: yeah I'd, like i love to hate him as yeah. a as a glory <laughs> fan yep. but you can't take anything away from him he's a great mm. player yeah um and i'm happy to cheer him on uh, when he's wearing a soccer roo's kit <sighs>
1: Put yeah. it that way. He's, yeah. yeah, I wonder when that might happen.
2: I'm sure he's made some appearances already.
1: Mm. Yeah, but I wonder. It, I on wonder one. when it might. Oh, when happen. we might
2: next see the Socceroos? Yeah. The uh the South American uh the championships that the Socceroos were invited to appear in uh, has been definitely now postponed till 2021. Um, so I think the Socceroos will probably pull out of that tournament, um specifically, uh just because it's going to clash with all the World Cup qualifying and everything they need to make up. So. Sad because it was. Lo- I was looking forward to seeing the Socceroos play in the you know South American Championships and mm. have the chance to be crowned champions of South America, <laughs> or at least you know at least make an appearance. But
1: yeah, I'd like to have a look at a international football calendar last year and this year and see what's happening, what's on the horizon in the next nth number of months. I mean, yeah. we've only got three or four months left of this year, um, and it's crazy year with things being uh, postponed and reconsidered and so on and so on. So it'll be an interesting calendar next year. It's got to keep going the way it is. It'll mm-hmm. just be how it comes and if things get done safely and they work out new formats and models for things and that's successful, then they'll replicate that and uh, if things change in different areas, then things will be relocated and calendars will change yep. again. And mm.
2: speaking, speaking of um, international uh, football, I did see that uh, the USA, because they're pulling their funding for um, the Ant- World Anti-Doping Association, they may actually be banned from competing in the Olympics, which, I mean, with the politics in America, the less said the better, but it's a bit <laughs> crazy, let's put it that way. Yeah.
1: So hang hang on, you are saying?
2: So for, for the uh, football tournaments, you may not get the American teams competing there
1: and why what's that
2: because they're that? not fun they're they're pulling well talking of pulling their funding for the world anti doping association <clears> which apparently you need to be funding that to compete in the olympic games ah. right
3: so each country puts a little bit of fund yeah. in to keep yeah. it running wow yeah. wow
2: so that would be interesting
1: mm. yep and let's face it it's been the kind of year where the people are the priority the health of the people the safety of the people so governments uh, who had planned out their campaigns for budgets for whatever length of time are probably going to have to refigure a whole lot of things and Mm -hmm. maybe sport's a bit lower down the, you know, ranking for where it should be put. And that's okay. I I hope a lot of people understand that. And um, (laughs) if they try and pull it out of women's football, I might jump up and down. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll go to a break and we'll come back and chat lots more football. Of course, this is Penny, Pete and Miranda on the World Football Program. Stay tuned. 7.9
2: 7.9 FM, your local station.
4: Auto
0: FM. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in.
3: Oswest fencing and Royal Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au.
1: Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor.
3: West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today.
1: Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny Tanner-Hoth, Pete Skiller, and Miranda Templeman in the studio. Good morning, everyone. Why do you keep grinning at me? Do I get it wrong every time I say it? No, no. you get it right then. every time I say <laughs> it. Oh, just,
2: you never right. check with Miranda if you pronounce my name correctly.
1: <laughs> this is easy. Good morning, good afternoon, Chris Tanner. Welcome to the program.
5: Good afternoon, Penny
1: Tanner, How are you? We are not related, everybody. Just saying, okay? Uh, it is my ex-wife's
5: ex-name, but that,
1: that's okay. I won't hold it against him. That is a total coincidence, all right? He lives on the other side of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. In your player, agent, sports management, work environment, how is the World Game looking to you in Australia?
5: Um well, not pretty <laughs> it's um look it, like a lot of industries it, it uh, our industry has been hit fairly savagely um, and like a lot of industries too there are other bits and pieces that where we're hurting that people don't notice you know um, I mean I was supposed to be <clears throat> in Trinidad in June um, talking to a, a, a um, with with, a, with an English Premier League team on a pre-season tour. Uh, I've been talking to a a club in Auckland about A-League admission that was supposed to be March. Everything is just cancelled, you know. So Mm. it's just we're all sitting and waiting and doing as much as we can to
1: keep the industry moving. I can't imagine you sitting and waiting for anything at all, Chris. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's it's frustrating at times, let me tell you. So what what direction do you take, uh, just as a little bit of a profile for yourself, and I'm probably going to get the surname uh, incorrect, but I'm going to have a good shot. Patty Sharon Bullis. Sharon Bullis. Sharon Lambis.
5: Yeah, look, Patty's going well. Um, She'll be obviously um, well-known to a lot of your Perth listeners. Um, She had a season in Canberra United where she wasn't uh, treated fairly well, but she's looking to go back overseas. Um, But again, you know, um, uh, some opportunities overseas are easy to engineer and some opportunities overseas are difficult to engineer. Uh, again, uh, you know, COVID making it more difficult than
1: it normally is. Yes, um, it, it's a funny world, isn't it? That there are people coming and going, and some places are on lockdown and restricted access in and out. But there's teams coming and going, and there's hub systems, so there's still movements. It's uh, you know, things are still happening. It's just like, uh,
5: yes, it, they're definitely still happening. Um, uh, some countries, of course, well, every country you know, tends to have a different set of regulations. And, you know, um, and, and while sometimes the uh, doors are open, there's always a door along the way that's closed. I mean, you know, we've had a lot of um, uh, interest from Asia in, in a pack of Argentinian players and Trinidadian players that we acquired over the last 24 months. But, uh, and, and while it's all very well to say come over here's a contract for you to sign but sometimes getting them there the, the logistical exercise of getting them there in these times is, is, is a difficult part mm. Mm.
1: so what direction have you taken this year i mean you're a pretty smart guy things aren't working as they normally would work and movements aren't happening like they normally would so what direction do you take now well look
5: it's, it's really a matter of, of um if it's a major project, uh, you either cancel or you postpone to a later date. Um, if it's player movement, um, you, you just keep knocking on doors until you find um, the right opportunity for the right player at the right club uh, that can be executed. You know, from a logistics point of view, without too much trouble. Um, you know, it, it's almost like um, prospecting for gold. You know, you sit by the creek. All day, every day, but you know that nugget might not appear in, in, in your, um, your your gold tin thing um, until um, might take a week, might take a year. You know, I mean, look, we've got a, a couple of guys, uh, a young goalkeeper from Sydney uh, that we're looking to move into Britain. That's a little bit easier for us because he's got a British passport. Um, but we've got another guy, you know, that we're looking to move from Trinidad to to Bangladesh. And it's a nightmare, but you've just got to keep going. I mean, you keep the phones um, on, and, and uh, you know the phones are ringing a little bit more now as the world starts to slowly try and get going again. Um, and you just stay available um, and keep up with the news and keep up with the trends and keep up, you know, with the issues that are affecting the game, so that when the time comes that you can, you know, get back into top gear, you're fully equipped to deal with it.
2: Uh, Chris, you mentioned earlier you'd been talking with someone in Auckland about getting a team into the uh, A-League or potential A-League expansion. Mm. Auckland's mentioned (laughs) a few times. Uh, Are you able to tell us, like, is it it an existing Auckland sort of state-based club that's looking to join the A-League or is it a new consortium? Um,
5: uh, It's an existing uh, New Zealand uh, National League club. I don't know too much about them, Peter, to be honest, except that... um, Uh, involved there on their coaching staff is um, Hiroshi Miyazawa who is the New Zealand Olympic team uh, assistant coach and played for the Canberra Cosmos and the Football Kings. Okay. Uh, So, uh, yeah, look, uh, I mean, we need a second team from New Zealand. Um, I think people are starting to wake up to that idea.
2: Yeah, I'd Um, I'd love to see that.
5: I'd like to see. Well, my my view on the A-League is there was never enough teams. I'd like to see two teams from first, two teams from Adelaide and two teams from Brisbane, but you know, um, sometimes I get shouted down with all that sort of <laughs> stuff. You know, it, it's about growing the game, you know. And, and you yeah, know, yeah, without being disrespectful, maybe Perth is a bit of a stretch. I was never a fan of being at the Canberra Cosmos and experiencing the problems there that we had. I, I wasn't a great fan of a Canberra team either. Um, but I I'm I now think that maybe they're worth another shot, especially if we get a new uh, rejigged a uh, dumbed-down version of the A-League. Yep. I think Wollongong needs to come in. I think that there's room for the Sunshine Coast, there's room for North Queensland, there's room for a second team for Brisbane. Yep. Uh, yep. Wollongong, Tasmania, all of them. I mean, the biggest problem with the A-League was there was never enough markets, mm. um, as opposed to there was never enough teams. So, you know, hopefully you know, we might be able to correct that now.
1: So the profile of football in Australia, how do you think it looks to potential players coming here and the models that we've set up for, or the models we have in place for uh, A-League uh, clubs and expansion and profile, how do you think all of that looks generally this year, Chris? Look, I don't think it's as
5: bad as all the doomsayers
6: will
5: we'll, you know, have you know, but um, business is business. I mean, if, if you own a restaurant that's got 400 seats and serves the best food in town, you'll make you're making millions. If you've got a restaurant that's only got 50 seats and and, and your cook can't cook, um, (laughs) you'll know about it in six months' time. Look, it's no different with a football club, which is a sporting business. I I mean, um, there's always an opportunity to bring it. Somebody said, oh, all the good players are leaving the A-League. Well, I can assure them that there are tons of quality players in the NPL waiting for an opportunity to step up. Um, I can also tell them that there's plenty of players overseas wanting to come to Australia. And uh, your average $200,000 visa player uh, might now, in the new A-League, if if that's what's going to happen, uh, might be scaled down to an average of a $150,000 visa player. But there's still plenty out there. Um, And, uh, you know, I've got two Argentinian boys now. Uh, One's a striker, um, if you're listening, Tony Piñata. <laughs> um and uh, you know, and he's ha- and he's happy to come here for hundred and fifty thousand net. Um, which, you know, of course, you know, in the Argentinian second division, a lot of players, you know, they get paid a pack of the chips and a can of Coke. So yeah. um yeah, more than happy to come here. So look it's just a matter of the industry um uh, I th- I think having a look in the mirror. And um, understanding what can be done and what can't
2: be done. I don't know with the glory having an Argentinian and a Uruguayan up forward. I don't know how well along, <laughs> how well they'd get along together. But well, see, I've
5: never given I've never forgiven Uruguay for what they did to Ray Park in yeah. 1973. So yeah. it might be showing my age, but <laughs> anyway, that's all right. I, I love Castro. I
1: would be champion. Yeah. yeah, we we need more than just a couple though. Yeah, true. Yeah, is it?
5: A... Yeah, well, you do. You know, look, it, 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 it's um. Look, I, 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 I'm a big fan of Perth Glory. I, I mentioned the penny uh, yesterday that you know I had a long, long chat with Nick Tarner and some uh, before the end of the NSL. And wearing my marketer's hat, which is where I suppose is my, my my trade, that I decided to apply to sport. But you know what's happened at Perth Glory has been phenomenal um, for Australian football, and certainly in a lot of respects, uh, set some standards for others to follow. Yep. Um, I, I, I probably a little. Uh, um, disappointed that we haven't probably expanded in Western Australia, um, but at the same time, I don't think that's the fault of Western Australia. I think that the you know the environment with Australian football and the transition into the lower era, and thankfully the transition out of the lower era, um, you know things might get better and we might see a second Western Australian team. That would be great.
1: So you talked about a second division or NPL clubs. Uh, there's been lots of talk about well, we have to comply to be part of the Asian Football Confederation. We have to have a second division. We haven't Mm. had a second division and we're still in the AFC. Mm. So, I mean, there's not really a push and a shove happening at all, is there? Yeah,
2: we sort of fudged it by having this NPL playoff thing and calling that a second division. But there's always this constant background chatter of, you know, we're starting up a second division. I mean, we've had – was it Ravi, Rami? I've, I've forgotten. Oh, the from,
1: the, um, from the A A F C, yes, and, and they've, they've been talking for yep. three
2: or four years now about a second division. I mean, with the number of teams that sort of kind of put their hands up when there is expansion on offer, you think, why don't they do a second division, you know, lower salary cap and, you know, give teams a run like that and then see if they can step up to the first division.
1: Finances, distances. Yeah. Mm, I
2: know. yeah. But we, it's got to be tried, you know.
1: it's Yep. Well, look, 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 the issue is, um,
5: and this is a, an area close to my heart because I was obviously involved with a Sydney bid that many will tell you eventually became West Sydney Wanderers, but the, the, the issue is now is we've got all these delusional fools running around saying, oh, I want my club to be in the, uh, the new B League or the, or, or yeah. the National Second Division. Um, FFA haven't committed to anything in that area at this stage. A lot of people get excited because they have a phone call with James Johnson or or, or they or they get a, a reply to one of their tweets from Remo Navarotto. Um But seriously speaking, um, there would only be one, two, maybe three um, NPL clubs that could really step up into a national competition. What needs to happen for growth is we need to grow the A-League model. Um, I don't think the, the days of $20 million licenses, the con job, the FFA con job are over. Um, but certainly, dumb it down a bit, less commercial criteria, uh, grow the A-League to 16, 18, 20 teams, and split it into two that way. Now, if those licences that are on offer for A-League teams, if, if, an, if an NPL club that you know got the clout wants to put their hand up, so be it, let them. Um, but to think that we can create a national second division from NPL clubs
1: It's never going to happen, I can tell you. What do you think about all this talk about digital engagement being pretty amazing this year? And it is, but what's the wash on that for football next year or now? I mean, if people are at home and they're getting their cable TV networks and they're watching their live streams, et cetera, et cetera, that's great for the digital providers. But what about Football Federation Australia and the clubs? What does that mean for them, Chris?
5: putting my marketer's hat back on, uh, again, um, you know, we see all these people running around going, oh, FFA need to have their own TV network and this, that and the other. What they seem to forget is that um, the reason that Fox or or Bean Sports or Optus uh, will take on any football competition is because of demand. Mm. And there's no demand for our product. That's part of the problem is that demand is very low. So... You know, you can set up as many streaming services as you want, but if there's no demand for the product, which is the it's A League, waste of time and money. But,
1: um, but but on that, Chris, if if there's millions of people on streaming services watching the A League, there is a de- demand for the product. So then they those uh, providers or the the marketing departments would go, okay, there's millions of people getting onto YouTube or whatever it is. So then. Advertisers would hop into that channel, and that's where they would make their money. And they might not have yeah, bums but, on but, seats. But, but
5: people want to people want to watch the top football product. Yeah, whether it be the EPL or for domestically the A League, they want to watch it with three, four, five cameras, proper commentators, proper graphics. Yes, uh, and, and so on. You know, they don't want to watch it on it on a. Hanamek Super Eight at the mm-hmm. back of a, a grandstand at Sorrento Soccer Club—it's <laughs> not going to work, you know. Um, but let me let me say this: I, I think if you're a fan of an NPL club, and you know, I live in in, in the, on the northern beaches in Sydney, and I and, and if Manly, my local team, are playing it, uh, you know, in, in the southwest of Sydney, I, I'd rather watch that on Facebook or on YouTube mm. than than do the 60, 70 seventy kilometre drive. I think I think that they again the market is, is limited, and and it's too small for FFA to consider a streaming service. However, look um, the A the A League is still marketable to free to air. Uh, uh, it's still marketable to uh, Fox. It's still marketable to Optus Sport. But a lot of the problem comes with the demand, and the demand isn't there because of poor marketing by FFA over yeah. the last fifteen years.
2: Absolutely.
1: In that poor marketing, do you also incorporate the quality of the football? I happen to think that watching the hub football, the football's been pretty good. Oh,
2: certainly in the hub, yeah, Mm. with the cooler temperatures. The the hub
1: football, I I thought, has been good. I think part of it's really hunger from the
5: players to want to, you know, possibly do well in the shop window because they want to get out of here at the end of the season. Quite possible. Mm. Um, But, look, you know, marketing also includes quality uh, of your product. And that's a big thing. Um, so, yes, I, I suppose I, I do include it. But at the same time, um, the the general overall marketing strategy for the A-League, you know, there's been a couple of little bright spots. Um, even the initial ad back in the day when they were kicking the ball around, there was yeah. paint flying everywhere yep. somewhere, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, it was good, it was pretty, but... the uh, As budgets change and income drops, uh, resources disappear and, you know, some of the marketing of the A-League in recent years has been awful, absolutely awful. Um, So, you know, um, and you sometimes got to wonder, of course, you know, they're expecting uh, owners to uh, write checks to cover their losses every year and that's probably why some owners are prepared to walk away the second they get a chance. Mm -hmm. Hello, Tony Sage.
1: Chris, Mm -hmm. what's the enticement for international players to come here? We know that uh, we haven't had a lot of talk about W League. It's going to happen eventually in some format, but the Matildas are a a big product of Australia in in a lot of ways and (coughs) the Matildas that are known to us have exited to play in uh, international leagues and not in Australia. So that'll mean there's a lot of space for younger, inexperienced players to move up into that. Um, yep. a, and they create a different profile for, for sport So do you think we'll entice players here For the next A-League season And the, and the next W-League season It'll just be a different way That um, players will be looking at moving in the world, I think
5: There's a lot more agents involved in women's football In the last couple of years um, Part of that's been because of the emergence of Matilda As a product um, it, It's up to the clubs It's up to the coaches um W League recruitment hasn't been fantastic in the past for no other reason um is that you know the club the majority of the clubs um will tell you privately that you know if they could pull out of the W League they would um and you know my views in relation to the W League that you shouldn't need to be in the A League to be in the W League um the the uh there's plenty of good girls overseas. There's plenty of good girls in Australia, um, but you've got to go out and do the scouting. And 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 and, and of course, a, a lot of girls like 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 the men with you know the transition from NPL to A League. You need that opportunity to be in the setup for a couple of months before you can adapt. I mean, to think that an NPL player, regardless of, of gender, can step up to A League standard in a week is it, it, silly. Um, so. You know, there needs to be uh, a lot more structured and strategised recruitment when it comes to the W League, that's for sure.
1: How old do you have to be before you can engage a player agent, Chris? Uh,
5: Well, you can be be as young as you want. I I mean, um, you know, there there are FIFA regulations, uh, you know, which give you a a minimum age, 16 or 16 and 9 months now, because I haven't been a FIFA agent for a while. But um, the, uh, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that I considered to have Leah Blaney, the um, the young Matilda's coach, on our books when she was 11. <laughs> and she, was, uh, she, she was an 11 year old girl introduced me to me by. Uh, a highly regarded New South Wales coach, David Lee, um, often called the man who created Harry Kuehl. And David and I worked together at Football New South Wales. And and, uh, when I became an agent, he said, oh, you can got to look after this girl, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, what, what, she's 16, 17, 18, and I'm I'm introduced to this family with this little 11-year-old girl. (laughs) who's playing in a 13-year-old boys' competition and she's leading goalscorer. scorer. And, mm. and we knew from the day we met her and watched her play that she was going to be something special.
1: So. Sounds like Lisa Devana. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, good. absolutely. Mm. Uh, look, we, we, you know what? Um, without going into too much politics, but we've had so many um, great female players and I'm a big fan of Devana, obviously Leah. Um, Julie Murray was probably... Uh, I still love watching her play um, but you know there wasn't those opportunities of course in the women's game mm. uh, other other than you know maybe a, uh, an American college stint and an avenue into the American professional league but I mean limited opportunities now of course women's football's going off left right and centre everywhere so you know, I think hopefully what that might do is it, uh, it'll create more opportunities for girls to step up to vacancies in the W League, but it'll also ha- um, have girls see what Sam Kerr can do at Chelsea, yeah.
4: um,
5: see what you know Lydia Williams can do at Arsenal, and um, hopefully you know like like it did with starry-eyed boys in the seventies. Hopefully we might get the same effect with girls now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's it's a good place to be. Uh, before we let you go, Chris, what's been the highlight of your year? Oh, <laughs>
0: well,
5: let me see. I cancelled my Auckland trip. I cancelled. <laughs> uh, cancelled my trip with Leeds United to Trinidad. Cancelled my my. Uh, oh, gee, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Um, what's been good about staying
1: in Australia, Chris? <laughs>
5: Well, look, to be honest, um, I've always been a bit of a fan of James Johnson. Um, And I was certainly a loud public advocate for for him when, um, shock, horror, there was talk about giving the job to Brendan Schwab and choked on my breakfast. Um, (laughs) But, um, yeah, look, I think probably that's the highlight of my year, the appointment of James Johnson. Somebody in the game, uh, in the pilot seat, Who's got skin in the game understands the game at all levels, uh, locally, throughout Asia, and throughout FIFA. I think that's probably the highlight of of, of my year in Australian football. Anyway, um, you know, if some some people are saying this is our last chance, and you know, think, if it is, thank God he's in the chair. Well,
1: what what that's happens good. if the last chance doesn't work out? What do you mean?
5: Well, I don't know. Um, You know, maybe I'll retire. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, um, Look, look, he's certainly going to make a lot of improvement, and I believe he um, has done already. Um, Had he been here during the Stagic debacle, hopefully that wouldn't have happened. Um, But certainly from the point of view of uh, strategic thinking, international relations, understanding the problems in our game and what needs to change, uh, you know uh, I, I think he's uh, the right man for
1: the job we'll see time will tell
5: that's for sure fingers crossed
1: yep. yeah Chris yep. it's been fantastic having a chat to you appreciate your time today and uh, stay and safe always. and well wherever you are going to be
5: now I just wanted to quickly say hello to my little mate Charlie Bruce over there <laughs> up and coming soccerroo and happy birthday Alan Vest if I
4: could throw that
1: one in as well oh, Alan Vest good Alan one That's his birthday excellent we didn't know that <laughs> there you go You should ring me more (laughs) often. Good one, Chris. Enjoy your weekend. Okay, thanks, guys. Yeah, you too. Have a great day. See ya. Cheers. Bye-bye. That was Chris Tanner from Zenith Sports and Event Management. Uh, Had a little bit of fingers in the A-League pie and business management here and there. and Yeah, all-round knowledge. He's got some good links and relationships. He contained himself very well in that conversation. I'm impressed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Did you have your finger ready on the bleep button, did you?
1: No, no, he's all right. He's Okay. (laughs) Um, We're going to come back and chat more football after this break with Elizabeth Reed, This is Penny, Pete and Miranda on the World Football Program. Back soon.
6: Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Everybody has goals.
5: Whether it's learning a new skill or passing on knowledge. Making new friends? Is it finding a career path? Or
2: reaching your full potential?
1: Chase your goals. See where football can take you.
2: Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime, and watching classic matches on shared TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support and stay safe Australia. We're all in this together.
0: The World Football Programme is a community programme run by volunteers, just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support.
2: For football's sake... For the sake of our registered players, there's 37,000 of them. For the sake of the game. For the sake of the dozens of high achievers who are already flying the WA flag in the world's best football leagues.
1: For the sake of our visitors from Asia and beyond, whose cultures are woven through football.
2: For the sake of Perth glory, the state's A-League team which aims to inspire the next generation.
1: For the sake of the mums and the dads, the fans, the followers and the football faithful who are steeped in the most popular sport on the planet.
2: Football needs a home. Football deserves a home. Every family needs a home. For football's sake.
1: Welcome back to the World Football Programme, Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. We're here until 12 o'clock. Myself, Penny Hoth, Pete Skeller... And Miranda Templeman in the studio, and our guest right now is Elizabeth Ree, a councillor in the city of Stirling and new president of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. Good morning, Elizabeth. How are you? Good morning,
7: Penny. Good morning, team. I hope
1: everyone's well on this lovely sunny day in Perth. Couldn't be a better start to the weekend, Mm. really. Mm. That's true. Great day for playing sport. Oh, it is absolutely. It's looking like it's gonna be a full weekend of football fixtures and a lot of smiles, which is fantastic at this time of year. September's an awesome time of year. Mm. What's Especially happening? Sort out-
7: of delayed in coming, but we finally got some games on the board. Yep. And I think people when we have our great Western Australian weather, people are coming out and supporting all the codes because um they can.
1: Yes. And because they can't leave the state. So i <laughs> <laughs> stuck. <laughs> so <they should. laughs> What's happening in the city of Stirling? Elizabeth, are we on track for achieving targets? Are we having challenges? Are there things that you're noticing that are just uh, crazy for this year of COVID? Or tell us about some things that are happening.
7: I think one of the things, following on from Chris's comment about why women – don't or do play sport, one of the things we've found out across the local government sector is that a lot of women don't want to play if their change rooms are very poor or mm. if they don't have change rooms or if they have to come into a change room following the guys playing. All of those things, the girls go, no. And I mean, sometimes the we should be above it, but I think you come to a time and you say, no, I, if I can't get changed in peace, if I can't leave my personal items in a safe place, I just don't want to make the effort. And I, and I think that's quite a serious thing across all codes of um, women's sport and all across Australia, actually. Um, and that's why it was very impressive for the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, to say he would give money towards change rooms. And we're just waiting for that to be realised so that we can upgrade and we can get more women out. And there's a lot of research that's being done that shows that if women are active, they actually have a very strong knock-on effect to their children and their partners, which is, means that all society wins from both um, from a health and
1: a mental point of view. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of uh, factors in a um, a female's life that uh, are different to a male's life and obviously child bearing is one of them and traditional um, domestic duties, uh, cultural obligations, uh, uh, major factors that will affect uh, females and their participation in sport. But what you're saying about the facilities is major. That, And I, I know I've played sports since I was knee-high to a grasshopper and so is my daughter who's now... 13 and telling me all about that with lots of big capital A's (laughs) attitudes and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we're going through different things and all those things that you talked about are are really essential. When I was her same age playing football, um, it was uh, just expected that we would either come to the ground uh, with all of our gear or we'd get changed in the car or, you know, something that was. Um, not like the guys because the guys would be in the change room. That was just normal for us. Mm. But uh, now it's mm. not normal. You're speaking about it. Uh, people are recognising these things. Um, you know, The cultural things are coming into it. it. We're taking all these things on board and we're talking more about it and when people talk more about it, eventually there's action about it. So you know, that's a change, of course. And
7: there's the little things to which people and sometimes designers and architects think by just putting a girl sticker a woman sticker on the door makes it a women's place. Well, most girls don't want to have block showers. A lot of girls don't really actually want to have that. They still want to have a personal sour stall, and I think that's something that they're still not coming to terms with. Um, guys are quite happy to do both, but girls aren't. So when we design things, I think we need to design things in a punctuality point of view, point of view as well, and. I think that's going through the system. Um, The other problem we have across the board, of course, is through COVID, a lot of sporting teams will not be coming back. And we have to be mindful of that. Uh, A lot of clubs, bowling, football, soccer, um, dance clubs, anything you like, the financial strain on these clubs by not being opened where the only revenue is mainly activity. Um, some of them, they can't pay the electricity bills. They, they can't pay the basic insurance if they have no income at all. A lot of councils, like Sterling, have given a lot of clubs um, no rent for their no rent for their oval or reduced fees for different things to keep them afloat. But I think we have to be mindful that some clubs won't come up, and, and I'd like to ask those clubs if they have an issue, please don't do it alone. Please, if your president walks away or nobody wants to take a position up, you know, let other people know, put your name down just to keep the place going so that, and then ask for help from the local government, ask for help from the um, Football West, ask for help from whatever your peak body is because I know that uh, a lot of the big peak organisations are very, very mindful of the fact of the, mental health, the financial health, issues going on, and nobody wants to see a club disappear. But we, you've got to say, if you don't put your hand up and shout out, we just don't know. And so I'm asking that across your listeners to, if you know a club that may not open up or, or are struggling, please let um, Football West know, please let your local government know, because you don't know what help they can give, or they might be able to help with amalgamation A lot of things have happened over 100 years of football in Western Australia, where some clubs have amalgamated because of various things. I mean, they went through wars, they've gone through depression, and a lot of clubs are still here. And and we've got to be mindful to support that in this day and age.
1: That's a, a really good point. And I must admit, I don't know personally of any soccer clubs or football clubs that have suffered to the point of they're not there anymore. Do you guys know of any?
2: Not of any, no, mm. but we'll probably see next season who comes back, Yeah, I'm thinking.
1: Yep, and I guess in the period where we had no soccer this season, I can't remember how many months it was now because we're just full-on back into it, but that would have been a bit of a telling tale for some clubs. Uh, Elizabeth, can you tell me if there's clubs that you know of that are no longer there? Uh, I
7: do know clubs. Um, that um, financially could not pay just even basic bills. And what we've done is we've given them a free financial advisor. We've um, made their some things we've not charged them for within our position, but things like insurance and um, electricity costs are outside the realm of local government, but there's nothing to say they can't ask state government for assistance and the private organisations that they deal with. And we're just monitoring at the moment. And as you say, some clubs, we won't know, as i was just said, but we might not know till next year how what clubs are still viable. And that's why I'm saying now, if you think you can't get up, if you're having difficulty getting a team, and I know a couple of ones, particularly a girls' team, that they had six players turn up and the club said, well, you pay your full fees to keep it afloat and we'll try to get more players. And they went, Well, we're not playing a whole season. We're all struggling. We don't have a job and so they walked away. Mm-hmm. So we have to be we have to be part of the conversation is what I'm saying. The clubs shouldn't think that they're alone. And that's my point. There's there's a lot of help out there, you just gotta knock on the door and if you end up being amalgamated next year or you end up going out, well then we make sure that you go out with respect and nobody's going to take think any less of you for doing that.
1: So what about if clubs are struggling uh, can, wh- what what the, the outcome of that is if they're not there anymore, does the space get given back to the council or just uh, is resumed by another club or they d- is just uh, a void until the end of the season, how does that work?
7: Well it just depends like at the moment because nobody was using the ovals And then we had the problem was nobody was allowed to use the Oval, so we've got a bit of a double-edged sword there. When they were allowed to go back, some of them didn't have the teams to go back. So therefore, um, and then we didn't charge them, so then the council absorbed the cost. However, um, some of the clubs, when they did find the team, uh, then they only wanted to have one team instead of two teams, so they get less use of all the Oval, and that was okay. And I know some councils have said, well, we're going to take you. We're going to actually redo that whole oval, but we're going to make you join up with another club because you've only got one team each. I know that's happened in different other councils too. So that, that can I be a good thing. Fle- that's right, and the flexibility is there. Uh, and as I said, just ask the question. Don't sit there if the if the president disappears or other people disappear off the committee. Somebody in that organisation has got to sit there and go, okay, what about us going forward? And Mm -hmm. just let the council know. Uh, And a couple of them have just said, no, uh, only one in ours, but a couple I know in other councils have said, look, we're not going ahead this year. Um, Can we just put everything on hold? And that's fine. You're still on the books. You still probably get your fields next year, your ovals next year. We wait to see what happens, but they're not gone anywhere. They're still there, even if they're just there in the cloud, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about the talk that we've had in the last 12 months or so about uh, government grants and funds and upgrading facilities? What are you seeing across the City of Stirling in that regard?
7: Well, the, both the state and federal government have, been, have provided um, stimulus pra- packages for infrastructure. As I mentioned before, the Prime Minister's commitment to women's change room is still there although we haven't actually seen that realised in dollars or cents yet.
1: Or a shovel Um, in the dirt?
7: Nope. I haven't got any of that as such. However, that promise is still there, and uh, I believe State Government, uh, Mark McGowan, has also said that he would um, contribute to infrastructure projects as part of the stimulus package. So, again, it's up to the club to sit there and go, well, OK, we might only have one team next year because of COVID. Next year, we have to have more. Apply to the to your local council, apply to the state government and say, look, we're here. We want to be part of the package. And each government can put in a, a proposal to state government, like um, the funding at the moment going on for different venues, whether it's um, uh, getting better lead lighting, floodlights, whether it's a storeroom, whether it's a club room, whatever you've got, sit down with your team and say, hey, what do we need? And if we need better light, then put it up to council now. Put it up to state government now because there is money available, but there's no point in, in saying it around your club room if you don't tell people higher up. So a lot at the moment is people going into state government now with their proposals.
1: So are you saying that there's more opportunities now or now is a good time to apply and get um, money for upgrades and encourage people to play sport in the community?
7: Well, that's right. I mean, the thing is you've got to realise you might sit there and want a um, floodlighting um, now, but by the time you do the process, by the time you get the money from local and state and maybe federal government, it takes a year because everybody's got to put it in their budget. We've got to sit there and say, well, you know, we've got $5 million worth of upgrades to our sporting grounds. Well, we've got to put that in the budget and work out where we're going to get the money from to do it. And that's no different from state and federal government. But the fact is that they've allocated stimulus money, like local government has as well. Everybody's allocated money to get the economy back and running. And what I'm saying is sport is part of it. Put your name down and see... As a collective, what do you need on your oval? What is it that you would need to get it going? Is it women's change rooms to attract women? in? Is it a playground? Is it a bigger car park? Is it a storeroom? What is it you want? And go and tell somebody. And this is the best time in history for the sporting clubs to get something because everybody knows COVID has increased so many mental health issues because people stayed inside. Mm-hmm. So they're very, very supportive on getting people active and getting outside, and even walking football, there's all different sorts of um, man, levels man of which you can play. That's right. Yep. There's heaps.
1: So um, in the city of Stirling, there's a whole stack of clubs, um, Bacato, Sterling Lions, Northern Redbacks, it's heaps. Um, we you- have about 200 clubs. Yeah, it's massive. Of all sports. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what about creativity across a city uh, of Sterling? Like if what's the success stories that models that are coming out that we can share? Some you know, great creative, creative, ingen- ingenious kind of things that some of the clubs are doing. Oh, I can't think of lot of we're very
7: inspiration. I well we, we have a lot of clubs that do some fantastic things. Um, They make little stadiums. They have um, different competitions. They think outside the square to raise money. We have internal clubs. Um, We actually have a a City of Stirling Cup for golf, for tennis, for bowls. And I try to get one up for football, soccer, which I'm still in the process of trying to get up. Um, And that gives the connectivity to all the clubs. I think at the moment it's just the united. It's having a conversation with each other and not in a competitive way. I think that's one of the probably the best things that our clubs are doing at the moment is probably talking to each other and going, how are you going? What do you need? You know, I've got 10 players. I've only got two. I think that is the good rapport that's got to come out of this. Yeah. That we we've got to try to get as many people playing as possible, allowing people to transfer from one to another, allowing ovals to go from one to another, allowing people to play in one oval while you totally upgrade another. Those sort of things, uh, I, I think, is a um is a communal effort to the to the common goal.
1: Yeah, I, I like that, Liz. That's that's a great thing to come out of this year is that we are are all affected by the same thing and we all want to come out on the other side of it um, and keep making our contributions to the health, safety and progress of of our community. So, you know, whatever way we can do that is is good because we all recognise that the same things are affecting everyone without competition. Well, I think the
7: basics of COVID, when we've got it, we're all in this together. We all respect our 1.5. We're all washing our hands. We're all doing our best, and that probably makes the difference between here and Victoria. The the message has to get across. If we want to go forward, it's me, myself, and I. If me, myself, Mm -hmm. and I can't sit there and take responsibility and respect those around us, then we can't go uh, forward as a team.
1: Yes, indeed. Good one. And uh, Liz, before we let you go, uh, congratulations on your election as the... President of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia, Uh, well done. Uh, First female president of the association. It's going to mean a lot of change and uh, a lot of different relationships and and networks and um, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I think we have to always thank the forefathers,
7: (laughs) literally. like My father, Julius (laughs) Reid, who is one of the people that started the – uh, Association 24 years ago because they believe that we need to make sure that the memorabilia, the heritage, the history, the love of the game is there for people to see in future generations and hope that we can get our museum off the ground so people can walk in and just see that, that what their grandfather did, what their grandmother did, mm. what, what people did, how they played, the balls they played. I mean, it's a fantastic history that's part of humanity it's part of human history and uh, and it's really good idea to keep that wrapped up so I think we've got a lot of people to thank along the line Lucas Ferris you know he's one and Richard Grutter and Mel Moffat I mean they've done a fantastic job to keep the history alive and we've just got to continue doing their good work and and, and I think it's fantastic and I and I look forward to seeing a museum again like my dad had organized soccer house when I was little in Subriaco we'd had all the and I can remember as a little kid walking in and having the trophies in the rooms and all the pictures along the wall and Georgie's Best and everybody and you know, it was just you just walked in and it was just like history looking at you. It was fantastic and it's, it's, that
1: it will it's interesting that you say that because uh, if we all think of Football West, I'm not sure everybody knew that Football West owned the premises out in um, Lord Street opposite <clears throat> the HBF Stadium, Park, yeah. I can't remember what it's called, yeah. um, Perth Oval. Where the Glory Play. Yeah, where the mm-hmm. Glory Play. Changes names, stadiums. <laughs> um, and if you walk into the Football West offices, there were some trophies in there, but um we know from the Hall of Fame and the collections that they're doing now to catalogue everything and put it together so that we can then showcase it for the whole of the sport. There's a lot more out there. And um, I I always feel that Football West are uh, a young dynamic kind of association that is there to administer the game, but – one thing that I always felt that it was missing was a little bit of that history that, like you just mentioned, you could walk into a place and you could feel that there was age and experience and knowledge about what you're a part of. So I I applaud you on bringing that into it. And the other thing I wanted to say was that it's a very young game now. There's like, I've got Miranda Templeman in here. She's a young Matilda, a junior Matilda. And one day she might be a Hall of Famer and that might be like, you know, Ten or 20 or 30 years later, but by that time she might have been playing for 40 years. Mm. So we, we um, give recognition to a lot of the early male and female players at um, since the inception of football here in West Australia. I can't remember what the year year was, but I'm sure Richard Crowder um, could pop up and say that year. Um, but in 10 years' time, Liz, there's going to be uh, so many more females playing that are going through the junior systems now that would have represented their state and Australia and be ready for recognition in a Hall of Fame. So you can imagine in maybe uh, a decade or so when we have an anniversary event for the Hall of Fame, there's going to be a lot more people that will need to be recognised.
7: Well, that's definitely true. And there's a lot more history in the clubs. That's why I'm saying too, as we go through COVID and and presidents change, and club members change, and clubs who may not be there anymore, it's important that that history is not thrown in the bin. Yes. It's important that we capture all those fantastic people who've worked hard on associations like the Football Hall of Fame, like different clubs, that, you know, we sit there and say, well, hey, don't throw it in the bin. Let the Football Hall of Fame know. Let Football West know. Between Football West and... The Football Hall of Fame. You know, we will make sure that your history is not gone. Your what your fathers, your mothers, and your players, and and the management team, and the trainers, and the spectators, and the volunteers have done won't go unnoticed in the future. Or and the, on the other theory. side of
1: that. On the other side of that is that if there's going to be a money put into upgrading facilities, that clubs might end up having a suitable house that mm. they will have longevity with and then they can store all their memorabilia there, which would be wonderful.
4: Yes.
1: yeah. So, like oh, well, the Perth mean, Soccer Cup you, always comes to mind. Yeah. I love going up the stairs and their beautiful open area there and all the trophies that they have on display there. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I love that mm. about that club.
7: Well, I mean, you walk into, I mean, I'm old, but I walk into and I still think of the Missouri, still think of the days when we used to come to the games and we used to have to dance Dance in the middle of the field at half time or we did once <laughs> girls at, at half time Missouri. Because you know, I wasn't allowed to play because I was a girl, so we had to either dance or we did um, marching girls now. And, and so, the culture there from when I was a little kid, you know, coming in, um, it, it still stays. And to walk in and, and see those old photos and the trophies brings back all the memorabilia and the memories in my head, mm. and that stays with me for a lifetime. And that's what when my son goes with my dad or he comes with me. And then he points out that, well, there's your father, there's your uncle, there's your whatever. It keeps that memory alive in those clubs. And that's what you want to do. You want to try to keep the clubs alive. And it can't be done unless we encourage young people in. And we support them financially to upgrade their facilities. We, uh, Local government supports them by reducing their fees. State government supports them by giving them uh, allowances towards solar or wind energy to reduce their electricity bills because that's one of the biggest problems with the lights and everything is they have massive um, electricity bills that we really need to address as an infrastructure project.
1: Mm. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and we were talking to uh, Chris Tanner before yourself. Um, He's in uh, sports management, events management and player agencies, that kind of thing, and... um, you know, we are talking about enticement of, you know, what, what does Australia entice? How, why would players come to Australia? Why would you want to come from internationally and, and come to Australia? Well, as a fan, why do we want to go down to a game and watch sport? You know, you've got to think about all these things. So what can we do to build an environment that encourages people to want to stay in that environment, not just come in and hop out of it? but stay in the environment. And I know Simon Hill from uh, Fox Sports, not with Fox Sports now, ESPN maybe, Uh, I think he's with. Optus. Um, Optus. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Okay, I don't know. (laughs) Um, I'm sure he'll land somewhere (laughs) where we'll say a title after his name soon. But um, he, he was always big on how do we get people to come to the games? It's not just a matter of, you know, Digitally, there's a number, but mm. we need people to come to the game so that we can put money into the club, so we can support the system. So we we think of re- retaining players in the game, we think of loyalty to the club. What do we do to create that environment? Well, having an infrastructure where we have something that's familiar, where a family can go and have a meal, see a trophy, recognise a, a face, there's that club is going to be there the following year. It, all those kind of things that um, create a legacy and a permanent environment and stability, they're the things that we need, don't we, Liz?
7: Oh, definitely, because, I mean, there's nothing better than when you walk into a game. I, I can walk into Inglewood anywhere with my dad and people say hello to my dad, hello to me. It always flutters up the wall, somewhere off my dad somewhere. And... Um, You know, but I can walk in as well with my kids and knowing that you feel at home because that's the way it was part of our life. And then you smell the sausages and the onion and you're in. (laughs) That's it. The barbecue gets you in as well. But it's a cheap meal. You get to watch the play. It's a safe environment for kids to come. And I often say to people, just send a note around to all the people that live around your oval and just tell them that even if you don't like the game, just come in and buy a sausage and it helps the club and keeps it alive and there's more people on the streets, actually keeps it safer on the streets. It stops people burglarising, thugs, etc. When there are more people out and about, they don't tend to attract the undesirable. So it has a knock-on effect when more people come and use the community club. Yeah. And by seeing people in there it makes the generations that are coming through say, oh, well, I'll come, I'll take Mikey there because there's a photo of my dad or yeah. this is where I used to come. And, it, and that's what we want to do because COVID has shown we are still people. People need people. They went ballistic on electronics to start with and then people were over it. Yeah. They really needed the human contact and that's why we're seeing people coming out of their houses and that, they're being respectful, they're washing their hands, the clubs have all got sanitizers in, people are on top of each other. It's actually, uh, it's a, maybe it's a healthy environment that we needed to do because we're getting a bit slack on our hygiene for a while. Mm. So that's Liz, also good.
1: Liz, it's been absolutely fantastic having a chat to you. Uh, thank you very much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. And uh, I hope you have a safe and enjoyable weekend out there in the sunshine. Of course. Always. <laughs> Got to get out and get
7: fresh air because we're living in the best state and we're living in the best country. We can't do better than that.
1: Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Ree, thank you for joining us today. appreciate your time. No worries. Stay safe and enjoy the game. Good on you. Thanks, Liz. Bye. Elizabeth. Bye. Elizabeth Rhee, City Australian Councillor and the President of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We are going to go to a break and come back and chat more football, of course, with Neil Bennett. This is Penn, Pete and Miranda on the World Football Programme.
6: Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM
4: we are one but we are
3: Women's World Cup in 2023 on home soil here would completely change the game for us. Football, I guess, it reflects society for me. You only have to look back to see the progression that that we've had. Uh, as a six-year-old, I found out that uh, as a girl, I wasn't able to play football in this country, and uh, right from that early age, I, I felt there was that a uh, little bit of injustice. I see the game now, and you know, and I see where we've you know come from, and. I'm, I'm amazed, I really, I really
5: am. We've been the most successful club in West Australian history. It's special because we're a female-only club. Many people see us as an environment where their daughters can prosper in the game, and we certainly do what we can to help those young girls achieve their ambitions.
6: Well, there's been such an evident growth of women's football, and I think with that comes media coverage, advertisement, and just presence on social media.
5: That has just helped with our cause because it's just attracted so many young players to the sport.
3: Well, football basically in my life, it just brought out like an energy, like, like the whole new different me, I never knew I had it. I love that football can do that um, for society. For example, coming up with a goal of being able to host the Women's World Cup here in little old Australia. We're there. I think we're, we're at this tipping point now in Australia where something like at a major event like that would completely shift perceptions in Australia. I'll be there every day, every game. I aspire to be there one day, so it'd be so good. <laughs> it gives me hope. Like, I can make it there no matter what. There's no boundaries to what I can do. The only limit is myself. And I think it's about changing beliefs and attitudes of society, and a World Cup on home soil in 2023 could do that.
1: Welcome back to the World Football Program, Penn, Pete and Miranda in the studio and we are having a chat to Neil Bennett, Northern Redbacks Media Women's Football Writer and weatherman. Good morning, Neil.
8: <laughs> Good morning. Yeah, I, I sometimes forget that last
1: bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the main part, the bread and butter part.
8: <laughs> yeah, that's that's what keeps the, uh, the walk from the door, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's been uh, yeah, it's been one of those winters so far where the weather has been a little bit uh, inclement, to say the least, on a few games. It's been a bit wet out there mm. for a few of the rounds. But, yeah, um, unfortunately tomorrow looks like it'll be another wet one as well. So you just have to put up with it. It's a winter
2: sport after all, isn't it? That's right. There's no point looking out the window, Penny, <laughs> tomorrow it's going to be raining.
1: All I can see <laughs> yeah. and feel is just warmth and blue skies. Is no no inclement weather coming on my horizon right now. It's all good. <laughs> no, I
3: do notice that time of the year where the pitches start to get a bit waterlogged, and I yep. know Balcato had to can one of their games a few weeks ago and make it up and they've been paying Mum FC to use their facilities there. So hopefully yep. that's back on track soon. Yes, it's a good facility
1: to be able to be used mm. at any time because not affected by the weather. Had a good crowd there last night.
3: Yeah, I, was just, I wanted to come down, but I obviously had training and then I was study. you know, how it is. But I w- definitely was tuning into the live stream. It was a good game. It was interesting because when I was down there, we had uh,
1: families and teams from across the club come down and support and there was people on phones through the game and there was – girls from other clubs down there, like uh, the Fremantle girls were down there. They had a boxing session or something and um, different people were on the phone saying, oh, should I come down now? I have to get something to eat. I've just finished my session here. I'm finishing futsal here. Should I come down? (laughs) What time of the game are you at? Has there been any goals scored yet? So there's all these conversations happening and it was great because there was uh, ball girls out on the other side of the pitch. They were like – eight, nine, ten-year-old girls from within mm. the Mum FC club and they were really excited to be there and meet like the <laughs> Kat Ukiches, et cetera. Yeah. And then there was families and Mum and Dad was coming from here and there. And You know, I've really noticed, Neil, in the past couple of years how it's not just uh, a female bringing a female down to the games, like Mum bringing the girls down uh, or Dad coming and then going – dads have brought the girls down to the games and the dads have stayed and watched the games and I've really seen that transition and really liked it to, to me it's a it's a cultural change that mm-hmm. it's okay for girls to play football, we're now going to promote our girls playing football and it, the girls just need to be a part of it, dad's just going to take the girls it's just great, I love mm-hmm.
8: it Yeah it is and I, and I think that the, uh, the live streaming has really um, raised the profile Enormously, and yep. um, when you see some of the figures, um, when you're getting over six thousand views on Facebook and you know one and a half thousand on on YouTube, uh, most teams are pulling in around six or seven thousand views a game. And you're right. Um, you know, I I go down to the home games at Olympic Kingsway with Redbacks and I'm sitting on a blanket, most often very close to uh, uh, Vince from Photoenza and taking pictures, but the people who are leaning over the fence and we're having conversations and you know they just sort of wander in and then they start getting involved in the game. And when you start talking to them and you tell them, oh, this player played for the Matildas, that player played for New Zealand, this Mm. one is in the W League, that one is playing for the NTC and all this sort of stuff. And they're blown away by the quality. Um, I think they are very genuinely surprised at the quality of the football that's being played. And also the competition itself is very even now. I mean, as we saw last night, Perth has surprised a lot of people, and I must admit, I've been one of them that have been surprised by them. But they're a compact team, and, and I emphasize the word team. They are not mm. a star player. They're a very difficult side to break down, as both Mum and Fremantle have found out now as well. And You could say, yes, they only won on a penalty, but they didn't score against them, and, and that's down to the fact that they are playing as a team. And I think, Miranda, you'd say the same as well. When yeah. they were down at Albany, they were difficult to break down, and mm. if they get a goal there ahead of you, You're in for a tough match, so who knows what's going to happen? I mean, we've only got four or five games left. I still find it difficult to think that Mm. Mum won't win the title because of the goal difference, but who knows?
3: Yeah, Mm. big goal difference. Yeah, I do know, like, watching the night series before the season started, I thought, you know, you look at the Perth team on paper and you look at the players that they had just coming back from injury, weren't playing night series, but were going to come back in the season. And It was just a matter of time until that team gelled and they became a real powerhouse in in the in the league and you're seeing that now as evident, you know, I think it will be a tough title race between those two teams. I don't think um any other teams will catch up to that. I think there's seven points clear a game in hand but seven points clear of third place. So that'll be a really interesting one. So Perth are obviously waiting for Mum F C to drop points there. But yeah Yeah so Yeah I mean
8: they've they've still got games to go obviously and yeah. and you can't and you can't foresee things, I mean, in the game last week where Mum played against Curtin and poor old Stacey, I don't know the extent of that injury, but she looked in a great deal of distress. That's going to have an impact. Yeah. Um Redbacks have lost Morgan for a, for a long period of time. It takes mm-hmm. nothing away from Maya. She's doing a great job in there for us, but it upsets the balance of the team when you lose your goalkeeper and you know, so an injury to a key player here or there in the next couple of games. And again, the complexion of the season will change. So similarly with Mum, they haven't had to deal with any injuries at all. Mm. Um, and, and I hate to think, you know, that a player could get injured and I hope that they don't. But it is a reality. Um, and it just remains to be seen what happens. And it's something that believe this season definitely, you cannot take any game for granted. Um, and uh, I think that that's a true testament to the decision to go to an NPL, because all of a sudden you've got four or five teams in there. And even when Redbacks played Curtin, it was a tough, tough game. Mm. Um, You know, and uh, they they came back and they got the the equaliser quite late in the game and could have nicked it um, quite easily. So, Mm. yeah, it's really opened the the competition right up.
1: Just for the listeners out there, Mama sitting on top of the table, Perth Soccer Club, Northern Redbacks, Fremantle, then Balcada, NTC, Curtin and Subiaco. There's a massive difference from the top to the bottom Mm. of the table. And the fixtures today, Balcada and Curtin, sorry, this weekend, Mm. Balcada and Curtin, Subiaco versus NTC and Northern Redbacks versus Frio, which is probably the game...
8: The round, well, besides Besides last last night, (laughs) night. yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's going to be a hard one. I mean, um, there's a lot of injuries at Redbacks, and that's not an excuse, it is a fact. Um, Fremantle are struggling to score goals, um, you know, they're they're not all that fluid at the moment, but they're a tough team to break down, and Mm. that will go a long way, I think, to, to sort of. If Redbacks do win, that opens up a gap then of uh, you know five points between mm. third and fourth. It puts them within four points of second. They still have to play Perth, and um, so yeah, it's not it's not entirely out of the realms of poss- possibility. But I do agree with you, Miranda. I think that the title is probably between the top two mm. at the moment. Um, but yeah, and um, Balcata is still floating there, and you know NTC, you guys, is still level with Balcata. So mm. the top six.
3: It's very any it's one of
8: quite them close, can, yeah. It is. Any one of them could stay in the top four. Mm. Um, there's no guarantees. Obviously, you think, yeah, you know, Murlock and Perth are probably there, but the other four teams, that's going to be a scrap right to the very
3: end, I think. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, what you're saying about injuries and the influence that has on the league, it is massive. And I think Mum FC, I'd love to know what they're doing from a sports science perspective because, you know, obviously training and playing on the. Uh, synthetic pitches, you would have thought that they might have had a higher injury rate as the wear and tear that that does do on your back and your knees and your ankles. But credit to them where credit's due because I think they've done a really good job and, you know, part of it's luck and you can just go down the wrong way and be out for a season. But, yeah, I do think that there's something going behind the scenes there that's making they, that
1: happen. They have a, a good sports management set up, mm-hmm. and and... Um you know, the the rollers and the pre-game and the post-game stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're doing okay and uh, athletically and uh, physically, the girls look fit and strong. Yeah, there's a yeah, of, and
8: I think sorry. across the board as well. Yeah, yeah, across the board. I mean, uh, Fremantle look to be, uh, you know, when they come out onto the onto the field, they look very fit and athletic. Mm, okay. um, and Baxter at uh, Murdoch and a big shout out to the guys at uh, 2 HFD. Mm. She goes to them, and they're having a big influence. Uh, a lot of girls. Are now going to them because the sports science is becoming a critical part of it. Um, Curtin have got a good sports science set up, so they're a strong side as well. And that, I think, has been a big difference. Uh, teams are now moving to two, into two nights, you know, they're moving to three, maybe four nights training. And that's what has to happen. Um, if we're going to start to produce players capable of playing at W League, they have to be capable of making a big step up physically yeah. um, because otherwise they're going to struggle. And they do struggle initially and they find it very, very difficult. But Mm. um, if they can continue with the work going on behind the scenes, then, yeah, I think that we could see more players coming out of the NPL moving up because, hell, there's so many players left the W League now that there's got to be opportunities um, for these players in the NPL sides to really step up.
1: Yes. The state teams were selected a little while back for the the teenage group, and they've been playing games in the last uh, couple of weeks. I think Poppy got injured from... The mum FC, she's uh, injured her ankle, so she oh. wasn't playing last night. Right. Um, I'm not sure if oh, that okay. was in training or game of the state team. I think it was in
8: training because the game they've got, they've got one coming up in on the 16th, I believe they're playing against the Perth Glory under the 14s. Mm-hmm. I I question this. Um, I know that it's a wonderful achievement to be selected for your state, but. If you're only playing against the boys' teams um, and you're not going into state, um, and then you run this risk of of injury, then yeah, I don't think uh, Pete Rackage would be too impressed.
1: Well, with no, what but with Poppy there, <laughs> you no, know, he he wouldn't. But to be fair, Neil, because there's no teams able to travel outside of Western Australia unless you're a Perth Glory A League, um, mm. and. W League, hopefully. Mm. Um, then it's just a recognition of the talent that we've got here. So some form yeah. of um, game time, training time. I mean they had had a huge amount of players turn up for trials. Mm. So which, you know, is evident that players want to be recognised and part yes. of the system and benchmark themselves to other players and other clubs, ah. which is great. So I play just-
8: I just wonder whether it wouldn't be better if they played a challenge game against one of the senior teams from the NPL. Um, I know they're a junior side and that that could end up quite embarrassing. But um, I've I've, I've long held the opinion that when you play young girls up against young men, um, particularly when you're playing teams of the calibre of Perth Glory, it can turn out to be very, very embarrassing. And that's not good for morale. Um, And I don't think that the style of football that boys play... Um, compared to the girls is really what you want to be trying to achieve. I think the, the boys move the ball that much quicker, they're that much more physical, than the girls' game is a different one. Um, and I think if you can play up against higher-level girls at a higher age group, that may be better. I know when uh, years ago when I was involved with the state teams um, that it was up against female sides. You were playing against the older women. You weren't going up against men's teams or boys' teams. Um, because it's different when it's the W League then you do have to because you're at the, the peak of the, of the women's game. You can't mm-hmm. play against anybody on the women's side. So that's different. But at state level, level yeah, I don't know. I think the, the risks are too great. That's, that's
1: really what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I just as as we've all been talking, I've been thinking about the number of goalkeepers that I know have been injured. There's um, two or three at Mum FC in the junior ranks, uh, broken fingers, et cetera. Um, Morgan uh, Aquino and uh, Stacey at Curtin. Mm. and Uh, also the Subi keeper. Okay, yep, that's right. right. Yeah, Yeah. yep. Yeah,
7: yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: So, gee whiz, Um, but I can't think of too many players on the field that have been injured. So I'm just wondering if the start post COVID maybe has had something to do with that, or more matches or more training in the NPL season. I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm just hearing that there's more injuries to the goalkeepers and maybe not so much to the field players and maybe that's because of the sports training and management of the players is different.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, good. as a goalkeeper, you're always, I think, putting yourself in harm's way um, and it's just part of the job description, really, you're diving at feet and... Um, you know, all over the shop. So I think goalkeepers naturally have a higher injury rate um, than outfield players just because of the yeah, the description of the job. So, yeah, more risk. Mm-hmm.
8: Yeah, and and to be fair, the, the, the injuries that we discussed about there in the NPL, all three of them have come about as collisions or yeah. awkward fallings, and it's not twisting and turning, which is where the outfield players very often end up with the ACL Mm. sort of scenario.
1: So I did want to say that with the live streaming, potentially that gives more access to talent identification and not just here in Perth because it's YouTube. It goes right across Mm. the world. So if we're talking about uh, W League, then coaches searching for players, not that they could bring them in but they could if they wanted to um, and we've had players leave West Australia and obviously go to the European leagues on the top level so I'm pretty sure players will be able to come in here from mm. other places. It'll be interesting to see what kind of movement we get from other countries to come and play our W League now or if it'll be a matter of well the financial viability is going to change with whatever model FFA put out for the W League and it means that we are going to be a, a young-based league. O- either way, it's going to work. It's mm. going to be interesting to see what um, Perth Glory do, Neil. We haven't had a coach identified yet. We haven't had a team identified. <laughs> Although no. Sydney have zoomed up the charts and I think they've got like most of their squad selected yeah. already.
8: Western Sydney as well. And there's the announcement of the coach out of Adelaide. So once again, Perth is very, very much behind everybody else. And this has been, this has been the story, uh, with the W league for a very, very long time. I I find it incredible that when the season finishes, all contact with Perth glory and the rest of the football community seems to stop. Um, there's no ongoing training. There are no clinics. There are no, um, Pulling together fringe players, having a look at them—you know, none of that. Uh, it, it is very strange, and we always seem to be playing catch-up. Most of the Perth Glory seasons have been poor starts and then a strong finish, mm. and uh, that that has to be addressed. I think, uh, no matter what happens, I don't personally believe that there are going to be too many overseas players coming in, no. simply because of the COVID situation in America. Um, you've also got to think about what on earth is going to happen with the Victorian-based teams because none of their players are getting any game time at all. Mm. Um, so I don't know what sort of level of preparation they're going
1: to be having on Stacy Stacey said that she'll be yeah. out for two to three weeks. She's done her ankle. Ankle. A number on uh, her ankle, ankle, she said. <laughs> 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 Damn. Yeah,
8: you, could hear, you could hear it on the live stream. She was in a lot of distress. Mm. And, uh, it, yeah. it wasn't nice to watch, but, yeah, best of luck to her.
1: Yes. So we do have to mention, too, very significant that... Um, They've announced equal pay in Brazil for the men yes. and women. That comes mm. after England, Australia, mm. Norway, New, New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah. yeah. So. And I think one of the French club sides has given their players the same amount
8: of money for winning the UEFA League as their okay. men would have got. Yeah. So it is beginning to move, um, and and that's great. And it's a long way to go, and I don't think at uh, club level, uh, uh, W League level we're going to see that for, for some time and that in mm. itself causes some issues as well because you can't give up your job at the moment uh, to become a full-time professional athlete in the W League mm. and you have to move overseas to do that. and That's that's a huge commitment um, and a huge amount of risks involved in that as well but I think that's the reality right now.
1: Yep. Yeah. So if you've got Optus Sport, you're in, the WSL
3: starts Sunday night? Tonight? Tonight. tonight. yeah. yeah.
8: Night. Yeah. Yep, yep. With massive Australian influence in there. Absolutely. Uh,
3: yeah. I know I'm gonna be excited Huge. tomorrow night. <laughs> you got yeah, Arsenal yeah. Reading, so that's three Australian based players in the Arsenal team, and then obviously later that night Chelsea with Sam Kerr. So that'll be interesting. I think Reading have
8: got a, a New Zealand international player for them as well. Oh really? Uh, yeah. So uh, there's there's another Anzac issue there. And then mm. throwing Bristol City into the mix as well, where yeah, they've exactly. got the two plus the coach and then they've got the, the Mitchell twins and uh, Alex Davis in mm-hmm. their Academy as well they've got a big Australian contingent there
3: yeah and I think I saw stats um a few weeks ago on the different leagues and the number of international players that each of them have in the league and the WSL is just massive not only just Australian players but all different international countries they yeah. are recruiting and they're obviously scouting very a lot better than you know other leagues around the world, and that results in the high international and therefore the higher quality because you've got a bigger pool to get your players from. Yep.
8: You still have to remember though that they've got to play through an English winter.
3: Thanks. <laughs> <no>, thanks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I think the, 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 the...
8: Ella, Ella was making mention of that in an interview I read the other day. She, she wasn't looking forward to the
1: winter. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that was one of the reasons maybe that the A League hub has been successful. The weather has been great; it's been condensed yeah, into yeah. you know shorter space of time. The quality of football was good. I mean, if they do something like that for the W League, um, I'd like to hear what plans they've got for. it. I really would. Um, it, it's going to be. But then,
8: with a the W League, you've got that issue. Um, how? How? Like, for example, uh, I know Shannon's not. With this um, At the moment, I think she went overseas, Shannon May. Mm-hmm. But what would she do? I mean, would she have to give up her job for the period of time for the WB? And, and, could
1: she and to the young that? players too, Neil. If they're yes. young, 16, 17, still at school, what do mm-hmm. they do? Yep.
8: Yeah, yeah. So it's different when you are a full-time professional. You can do that. Mm, yep.
1: Yeah. I don't think that that
8: model will necessarily work for the WB because, yes, you have the young players who are – it's different if they're a university student, but they've still got to study. Um, yep. Yep. and. And similarly, with the full-time employers, you know, I I know from personal experience that juggling the demands of full-time training and a full-time job is incredibly difficult for these players. Mm. And even with the $15,000 minimum that it is now, that's not enough for you to give your job up.
3: No, I I know that um, PFA have sent around a survey to all the players asking, um, you know, Questions about what would suit them and what's possible for them and what's not possible. So I think they're trying to gather as much information from players as what can work and what can't work to try and form something that <clears throat> does result in the best end product. Yeah. Yes, I
8: think the main the main thing for the W League for me though is that it has to go full home and away. Mm. Yeah. You've got to make you've got to make the league, you know. Otherwise, it, it, it it's not it's good, but and certainly some of the games of the last season were, were excellent, but. Um, the promotion of it as well, uh, it was really disappointing. There was a game last season where Brisbane Royal came over. Uh, you had four Matildas who just played a World Cup qualifying game. Um, and there was zero publication. There was zero publicity from Perth, glory about it. Mm-hmm. Because their attention was drawn to the men going to the Champions League draw up in Asia. And it was like, oh, seriously, it's really hard, you know, pushing the barrow of trying to get the promotion of the women's game going. You had a perfect opportunity to have four Matildas come into play And yet nobody in Perth would have known that outside of a small group that's really interested
1: in women's football. Yeah. And with the Women's World Cup coming up, which is why the senior Matildas have travelled to international leagues to upskill, we've got to have the W League. There's no two ways about it. It's going to be a talent pool, identification for the younger players and a platform for them to play. And we've got to make it a a decent league.
6: Absolutely.
8: Have
1: to.
3: Neil, thank you. And then
8: underneath
3: that, you've got to have a very good NPL as well. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and and I think we do. Yeah, Uh, I'm I'm impressed. I do know the live streaming has been really good for selection processes. Like um, Leah Blaney has been watching all of our games on live stream and messaging Ben and we have a um, video conference as a team with her next Wednesday night after training with, um, you know, like a live Zoom call with her saying, you know, this is what we want to see from young players and this is what, you as a team can improve on, and it's really good to have that face to face sort of communication with her. Yep. Yeah,
1: I was yeah. watching uh, something, uh, Steph Catley's at uh, Arsenal. Mm-hmm. I was watching the process of how she accepted the contract and then met the club. Um, posts except in the contract and how it was all on Zoom because of lockdown and yeah. travel things like that. It was, it was quite interesting. And <laughs> you know, we were talking to Chris Tanner earlier as a player agent, how he's going about his business and how mm. players are moving and being identified and, and travelling or not travelling. It's uh, and, and he did make the comment that there's a lot of things that people don't know about the sporting environment that are happening that um, just happen without you being profiled. Just a strange old year. Yeah.
8: Mm. Mm, very strange, yeah. Technology is fantastic,
1: though, yeah. Yeah, well, we understand how essential it is in a year like this. Yeah. In yes. a time like this, yes. Neil, thank you so much for joining us. I do appreciate it. Uh, enjoy, be safe, uh, have a great weekend.
8: I uh, will do. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on.
1: Good on you, Neil. See ya. Cheers. Bye bye. Neil Bennett, um, media man for the Northern Redbacks, women's football writer.
2: Yeah, and uh, as you said, the um, WSL kicks off tonight.
3: As yep. does the EPL. Yes. Yep.
2: But we don't care about that.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm outnumbered here, so yeah, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it does kick off tonight, and I had the page up that had tonight's fixture on it, and I can't find it now, but um, Miranda. Oh,
3: yeah. Um, tonight you've got... Aston Villa versus Man City at nine thirty. That's the opening game, and the opening game for the EPL is Fulham versus Arsenal at seven thirty. So, awesome. consecutive. Watch both opening matches on Optus Sport. Fantastic. Yeah. Not much sleep's going to be happening for some people. Is she getting, is
2: she getting a kickback from Optus Sport here that we don't know about?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Before we go to a break, do we want to catch up on the local leagues before we have a chat to Matt? Maybe um, Men's uh, State League One yeah. NPL. It's Why not? not? It's interesting because as I'm going through the fixtures for the men's and the women's in the NPL, there's little abbreviations like NPL-M, NPL-W. And if you're reading really quick and you're not always going in and knowing what that is, you can kind of miss that. So there's there's lots of differentiations you have to make now. And even in conversation, talk about NPL. Are you talking about NPL men or are you talking about NPL women? That's right. So it's good. I like I like I like having to like have to explain it and then we talk about okay this is because of good profile.
2: so uh, with with the men's leagues, um they're all coming to an end to stage one this week and mm-hmm. the way they're going is they're breaking into a top six and bottom six, yeah, um and then so the top six will all play off for five more weeks. All points, goals, reset. So it's like a fresh league just with the top six teams. Yep. And then I believe they have a finals after that, which is the top three from the top six plus the winner of the bottom six as well. So teams sort of still have a chance even if they finish in the bottom half of the table. Um, so coming up today in the men's NPL, uh, Guelup Croatia are at home against Rockingham City. Perth against Sorrento, Bayswater City against Florida Athena, Perth Glory against Inglewood United, Coburn City versus Armadale which is probably the game of the round because Coburn need at least a draw to secure a top 6 spot and Armadale need a win to secure a top 6 spot and then ECU Joondalup versus Balcatta. So looking at the table there, currently it's Florida Athena, Guelph Croatia, Coburn City, Sorrento, ECU Joondalup and Armadale sitting in the top 6. And then just outside the top six, uh, by one point, Inglewood United. And then we've got Bayswater, Perth, Perth Glory, Balcatta, and Rockingham, who are safe from relegation this season because of COVID. COVID. Yeah,
1: so. very different looking table to previous years. Oh yeah,
2: so Perth sort of sitting very far down the table, and Bayswater. Yep. Mm. So, um, and if we go to the first division, yep. Uh, First division today, we have Quinns FC at home against Kingsway Olympic, Western Knights hosting Joondalup United, Subiaco AFC against Sterling Lions, Mandurah City against Ashfield, Swan United hosting Forestfield United and UWA Netherlands hosting uh, Fremantle City. (coughs) Pardon me. So in the table there, if it wants to open up for me... uh, uh, Western Knights are runaway top of the table there. Uh, Forestfield, Kingsway, Fremantle City and uh, Mandurah and Joondalup are currently the top six. Quinns are one point behind, so they'd be looking for a win to try to squeak their way into the top six there.
1: Yeah, Subiaku,
2: Subiaco. Subiaco, uh, yeah, bottom, sitting down.
1: Bottom of the... the State League Division 1. Um, how's Second the bottom. Yes. How's the uh, State League Division 2 looking? I just wanted State to League reinforce yeah, where Mum are. Okay,
2: so... Mum, so you want to brag about, okay, yeah. Mum <laughs> FC are sitting top of the third division in the state if you want to get <laughs> want That's to get just me. <laughs> <laughs>
4: hey,
2: I just talked up Thursday night indoor soccer before, so I, I can't brag. So, yeah, no, Mum <laughs> FC sitting top. Uh, Dianella White Eagles second, Caramar Shamrock Rovers, Wanneroo City, Joondalup City, Gosnell City, the top six, and there's a lot of cities there, and then Canning City in seventh place. And that's an incredibly tight uh, league there. So we've got Wanaru. Shamrock Rovers third spot on seventeen points, all the way down to Kenning City in seventh spot on sixteen points. So we've got uh, five teams all separated by one point. So one of those teams is going to miss out on on getting in the top six there.
1: Good year for Mum FC. Pity about the no promotion relegation thing. Mm.
2: Something to look forward to next season. Then yeah, plan for real.
1: It will probably be the first time that I can ever think of. If it happens that the men's and the women's top teams will sit on the top of their respective tables at the end of the season, yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, of course. That's so, then you've got the second stage where it's top. They need to finish top of the table there as well. Yeah, yeah,
1: Yep. Absolutely, yeah. a bit different this year. Yeah. Thanks, Pete. No
2: worries.
1: We'll go to break and come back and chat Perth Glory. This is Pen, Pete, and Miranda on the World Football Program,
8: Radio, Radio Fremantle, one hundred seven point nine FM. 107.9 FM.
1: Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA.
2: Station sponsor.
5: A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. whether it's chanting, waving a flag, always there, always passionate, jumping up and down, going absolutely animal,
2: and continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making uh, banners and this and that.
5: feeling when glory scores is just the most phenomenal feeling ever everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence, Something everyone just jumps up and down. An eruption of cheering, yelling and
2: flag waving. It's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the
1: net. It's an amazing, it's an amazing situation. Welcome back to the World Football Program on one hundred and seven point nine FM Radio Fremantle. Myself, Penny Hoth, Pete Sciller, and Miranda Templeman in the studio, and our guest. For a while, we haven't had a chat to you for a while, Matt. It's Matt Stacey, the number one Perth Glory fan. How are you going, Matt? Good. Yeah, as good as can be. Yeah, that that's good. You're travelling safely through this COVID period. Yes. And how are you travelling without Perth Glory <laughs> to go and attend?
0: Well, funny, I've got a bit of a funny story. The last game I actually saw Perth Glory was on the shed two of duty. Oh. It was my actual last game. When was that? That was in um, February, March, start of March, I think.
1: Wow, you must feel so Just star.
0: before COVID. Because yep. I'd went away, I had gone away, and then it all hit. Yeah. But
2: who was the opponent for that one? Was that the uh, game against Sydney? No, that was the no. game against Brisbane. Against Brisbane. Okay, yep, gotcha.
1: Wow, I wonder when the next tour of duty will be. Mm. We don't know. I
0: don't, don't know.
1: No, it's been a funny old season. So how have you felt about the hub football, Matt?
0: Uh, I've got mixed feelings. I Honestly, I don't think it should have restarted. I'm still happy it did, but I don't think it should have restarted the way it did.
1: What do you think should have happened?
0: The season should have ended.
1: Just that's it, no more football.
0: Yes. But I've got reasons why. With everything that was happening with Bob's, we had a perfect time to rebuild the competition and start a fresh new league up, competition up.
1: And and also we missed Castro, didn't we? <laughs>
0: yes, we did. And um and Gregory as well. Yep. Who we left.
1: Yep. What what do you think's gonna to happen to Castro?
0: I'm hoping he stays, but honestly, if the if everything that's been reported is true, anything's possible.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing with Castro is he's he's 38 now. Um, much as he still seems to be, you know, doing it for the glory, I think next season if he was playing, he'd have to be more of a super sub role. You know, come on in the last. You know, twenty-five minutes and do a bit of magic. I don't know whether at, at thirty-five as an on sorry thirty-eight as an on-field player, he's still going to be um, able to do it week in, week out for us.
1: Yeah. How many yes. players can you think of internationally at that age are playing? Not many. No, not many. Can't. I can't think of and, any.
0: And if we're still in hub type ball next season, he's not going to want to do that either. That's yeah. right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I suppose that is a possibility, isn't it? Because if things continue as they are for another year, then it doesn't matter what time of the year the football is, if it's in a hub format, then we're not going to see much football here unless yeah. it's over here.
0: Or we might not actually. Even there is a there is talk, another talk going around. We might actually not. If if the borders don't open, we could actually be kicked out of the competition next season. What? Yeah.
1: I've never heard that. No. Matt, no. <laughs>
0: no. Yeah. No. That 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 that's inside word.
1: Okay. Wording.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. We're uh, we're not losing our um our owner of the club or anything like that, are we? Are you relating to something?
0: No. Okay. No. he he he, he won't leave. He said he would never leave. The club. He's happy with how we're going, but just. Obviously talks if it's hub keeps being hub forms we just wouldn't be able to survive as a club being in the competition. And we'd maybe be just playing that we'd be the strongest NPL
1: team in the competition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder if we could build a case to have the hub over here in Western Australia. I mean it's a safe place to be. Yeah,
2: well we certainly got the AFL teams over here for a while, so um there's no reason why we couldn't have a hub here for football as well, mm. except for the FFA maybe being slightly New South Wales biased.
1: What kind maybe. of what pitches or stadiums would we use if we were going to? I mean, we've got HBF. We wouldn't yep. use Ops because it's massive. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
2: for the crowds that for the crowds they were getting for the hub games, especially the. Uh, so with the hub, they allowed the local teams to have crowds, but if it was you know Glory versus Brisbane, there was no crowds. You could play that at you know. Um, Doreen Gardens yeah. or somewhere like that.
0: Yep, yeah, and you could you could have the Whacker as a ground because we played soccer. We played we played it there before
2: games.
1: Possibly Mumf's. That was as actually ground. my
2: first ever yeah. Glory game. Was at the Whacker, <laughs> way back in '99.
1: Dan Lazaridis?
2: No, Peter Skeel. My name is
1: no. <laughs> oh, right, Smarty. Uh,
2: no, the uh, semi-final against Marconi, which we won one 0
1: Marconi. Whew. Yeah. Okay.
2: Anyway, so, yeah, that was the, my first ever – and actually the only ever game I've been to at the Wacker was was a Glory game. Uh, yeah, Wacker.
1: Okay. Yep. Okay, so it's looked very different this year. Matt, what do you think about the, the um, brand, the Perth Glory brand out in the community with the Hub Football? Do you think that we did enough to promote Glory in the Hub Football or people just, like, kind of forgot about it because it really wasn't paid attention to?
0: Well – We got as far as we did without our big names, so technically we did as good as we could expect in that environment. Think Mm. of the AFL teams, how many games they actually won when they were in their hubs forms away from home.
1: And how much attention they gave to that. Uh, No, I'm I'm unhappy.
0: (laughs) And another factor is there's another hub team playing away the western force not that I'm a rugby fan but they've had no attention yeah mm. and they actually haven't won a game this in while they've been away so the hub forms have resolved not really showing the best of the the away teams that actually have to move away from home
1: yeah 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 yep okay so um players that have left that we know that have left um kinesi yep. yep uh Jubik Uh, Leah Yep. Valafi. Yep. Is that the extent? That's the
2: names I was looking at, yeah.
1: Yep. Okay. And
0: Frenage has signed for the new McCarthy or the new team. Yep. And there's rumours he wanted to be near a a family for that one, or Mm -hmm. his
2: partner's family. And and MacArthur Rams actually came out with their pricing um, and – you know, normally if you're a new team, you sort of maybe come out with lower prices to encourage people, and they've taken the opposite path and they're charging ridiculous prices. You're
1: talking memberships.
2: Memberships, yes, for next season in the A League. What had kind some, of
1: pricing are we talking about? And
2: I wish I had it yeah, here and, and, now. I'll and, see and, if I can find it and get back to you. And
1: and do some comparisons so we know what expensive versus not expensive is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so it's very it's very expensive. I think it was in the four or five hundred. Yeah, or it, it was it honestly like you sort of looked at it for the active now. members. Yeah.
1: Maybe they throw in a couple of meals and nights out and stuff like that.
2: I'd rather, if I wanted if I wanted a meal, I'd pay for a meal. If I want a club <laughs> membership, I want to you know go to club membership.
1: What about uh, incoming players, Matt? What do you see on the well, horizon? We've,
0: oh, we've had, we've signed two recently. Oh, yes, yes. Na- really good players,
1: Nabu and yeah, Atkinson. We, yes,
0: yeah, they're really good signings. But with signings now, we're not going to be making any new signings till we get the coach. Yeah, yeah, this is it. So it. the the pressure is on that to sign our coach. I reckon within the next two weeks or we're going to struggle with getting players because everyone's now on the market for players.
1: Yeah, when's the first rounds of the Asian Champions League supposed to start?
0: October.
2: Or,
1: oh, they're
0: they're to be October, home. November. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't see it starting then either. Okay. It's the uncertainty with the Asian games, if they're actually going to start, and we don't even know where our hub's going to be.
2: Yeah, they, our... they've, they've announced the Sydney one, but, but not any of the others yet, I believe.
0: Yeah. I know Perth has put a bid in for the Asia game hub to be played in Perth, but we haven't heard anything, and that would be played at HBF Park, the WACA, and... um June's would
2: yep. be the ground. So, so they've got the matches scheduled, although the venue's not determined. So apparently 16th of October, uh, Gloria playing Shanghai. Uh, 22nd of October, Ulsan Hyundai. Um, 25th of October, so they're obviously the hub-like smashing through the games mm-hmm. quite quickly. 25th of October, Ulsan again. 28th of October, Shang- uh, Shanghai again. Uh, sorry, yeah, Shanghai. And then last one on the 31st, the return match against FC Tokyo.
1: Right, so we're going to have to clean up yeah. our act in terms of complete the squad, yeah. and then yeah. get a coach and win the hub system.
2: Yep, and yeah, dominate, yep.
0: dominate,
1: dominate. Yep, wow. At
0: least we've had, at least they've had experience in hub form, and they can learn from what they've done in this hub.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what do we think about potential coaching candidates, Matt?
0: Okay, I've got a few. Uh, I've got a couple that I wouldn't mind. John, <laughs> John, John, and John, John Aloisi, Eric Merrick, Ernie Merrick, yeah, and obviously Damien Mori.
1: Hey, oh, we've lost him. We might get him back. Yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah, we
2: can give him a go. You, you talking so, about possible So, Damien so. Mori. Um, oh, I was a fan of him in the Glory, but I don't know how he's he's not coached in the A League, so mm. I don't know. I know, uh, Mr. Despotovsky was was voiced as a possible um, coach as well.
3: Yeah. Do you think it would be easier for them to sign someone local? It would be yeah, you'd cheaper, think so. <laughs> quicker, and, easier.
2: And, again, with the big asterisk with the um, COVID and everything, if we went sort of the easier route and mm. got a local lad, no problems with that. Yeah, so, yeah. And as I did say, sort of Bobby does fit the coaching criterion as much as he's got a couple of sons that <laughs> he can <laughs> pull into the alien. Shouldn't shouldn't go there, but no. So um, like I personally would have no problem with seeing Bobby as the coach.
3: Yeah, no, and I think um that obviously leaves the spot for the W League coach vacant as well. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so or he could do both. So, so <laughs> M- Matt, we we're
1: just talking about the coaching candidates, and of course we threw Bobby into that mix. But then Bobby's potentially the W League coach mm. for Perth Glory. So where do you see where do you see Panning out there?
0: Well, I I don't see Bobby being. As much as I like Bobby, I don't see him a good fit for the men's team. There's better candidates. And there's two two left-field ones, Steve McGarry, who's coaching yeah. the development mm-hmm. squads. And honestly, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be, if I was Glory, I would be putting a word out to one of the great coaches of Glory Burnstone, even though he's old, he's loved by everyone. And he has indicated in the past he would come back to glory. I
1: think that was That diplomatic. would be a
2: lot of free publicity for the glory.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, would be,
2: that would be good from that perspective. Mm. I don't know what he'd be like as a coach these days, but mm. certainly the, even the West Australian loved him. They'd, they'd sort of get back on board a bit.
1: Yeah. What, what do you think about a female coach, Matt? What about uh, Carolina Mariachi? Not
0: sure really. Do you know I haven't who she even is? thought of that. Yeah, I know. If I haven't even thought thought that far in female terms, but it could be
1: interesting. Yeah, do you think we need someone who's gonna build the profile of the glory? Like not just be a decent coach. I mean uh, Tony Popovich was a decent coach, um, but in terms of Burnt Stanger, he's uh, he, everyone loves him because he was he just affable needs to
2: and ki- kiss another police officer,
1: <laughs> just something like that. Yeah. yeah, so we could do with a little bit of a uh, you know a hit to the publicity machine for Perth Glory, couldn't we? So that it's you know out there every week in the news and people hear about it and then they love Perth Glory and they come down to the games. We we need something more than just a good coach. Mm. Well,
0: there is a coach that was um, released from Brisbane Roar as well who. Played here, Robbie Fowler, oh, he could yeah. actually be another contender because he actually—I don't know if you heard all the stories. He actually didn't leave on best terms with them when he left back to go back to the UK to be with his family. He actually wanted to come back to Brisbane, but he, it was—they made it very hard for him. Yeah. yeah. So he could be another person we could, who could be a good coach because what he actually did for Brisbane when he was there are actually quite good. Yeah.
2: Just just by the way, the, the MacArthur Rams, the, the bullpen they call it, the, their equivalent mm-hmm. of the shed, is $440 for a season ticket. So that's uh, roughly double what the glory charge really? for, yeah, right, for, a, for shed a shed membership. Yeah. So, yeah, they're certainly not going cheap there.
1: Mm. I wonder why. Why, I why, don't why? I don't,
2: you, you'd think – in these days, everything, if anything, with COVID and everything, they should be dropping their prices yeah. even more than normal to bring people in. But, oh, well, we'll see how they go. <laughs>
1: yep. Mm. Um, what about uh, the grand final? Matt, mm. did you watch the grand final?
0: Yeah, I wasn't going to, but I ended up did watching it.
1: Yeah. So um, who do you think was a player of the match?
0: I don't really know. I didn't really. Didn't really I didn't have that, that, that did much. I didn't have that much interest in um, the players. I was just hoping India were going to lose.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good one. I like your style. Yeah. Um, Ryan Grant was the man of the match. The
0: and well the, the deserved the man. too. He yeah. was.
1: He was. Oh yeah. my god! He was a machine in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah, yeah, he. There's a lot of um, good qualities about that lad. I think yeah. he should be picked up to play in the Socceroos.
2: Yep. Yeah, he's made 12 so, appearances yeah. for the Socceroos.
1: Next so. time they play. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right.
2: And interestingly, in that match, Sydney FC had five players who've previously played for Melbourne City. So,
1: um,
2: just a pointless stat there. But yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and we had one, and we had one Melbourne City player who's yes. about to play for us, who actually had a good go. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, what do you think Atkinson. about, yeah,
3: Atkinson, yes, Nathaniel okay. Atkinson, who's so now him. signed for the glory. Yeah. So he, yeah. he
2: actually impressed me. Even like watching the grand final, I didn't realize he'd signed, or I didn't know whether they hadn't announced yet that he was signed mm. for the glory, but at the time I was like, you know, he's, he's doing well there. So when then they said that the glory signed him, I was pretty happy yeah. and, and the a board I'm happy player. with. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a young, young player,
3: player. So if we can entice him to stay, maybe right. a bit of a future in the club along with. Nick D'Agostino, who's been nominated for the Young Player of the Year. Yeah, Yeah. he's awesome. Mm. Mm. Yep. Um, So
1: what do you think about young players we have here then? Because it's always an interesting one, right? If we scout players in our own system and Perth Glory have an extensive Mm. pathway, surely we have enough damn good players here we can push into the number one glory squad. Go Mm. on, Matt. Do you, do, Matt, do you, do you Matt? Do you peruse the um, Glory games? Do you watch the NPL fixtures and watch the young Glory lads play?
0: Unfortunately, not. But I'm planning to start mm. eventually. They, one yes, of the one of the sorry, go. I I stream them when they sometimes stream online. Now they're streaming some of the games, yep. but I don't get don't get to the games.
2: Yep. Yeah, I, I, one of the things I did notice with the glory I was thinking this season is they actually don't have a lot of West Australians in the team. Um,
1: You're talking about the A League team, the, the A League side, yep. yeah.
2: So, like in the past, over the you know ten years ago, or so there was a sort of a bit of a conscientious push to actually have West Australians in the team. But now, sort of you look if you look through the team list, look, you know, there's there's not that many WA players. I think there was one or two you could sort of name, um, but yeah, generally they're all.
1: Yeah, as a fan, what do you think about that, Matt? Well,
0: honestly, if they're good enough, it doesn't matter where they're from.
2: Yeah, so that's yeah. that's one of the things. Would you rather win with non-WA boys or mm. almost win with WA I, boys? I'd
1: like to see a balance. Yeah. I'd like to see that the pathways that Glory have put in place are there for a reason, mm. Yeah, that the young players moving into them are inspired to have the possibility of being identified and played for the A-League team. Yeah. That is why the pathways are there. Mm. So if we're not choosing enough of the young players from those pathways, what the hell are the pathways doing? Yeah. And what are they spending all that money on coaching and developing the players for?
0: Yeah. Well, they might have to now, with obviously the caps and all that being lowered, not going to be able to afford the players they want. They might actually now go down that route where yeah. they weren't weren't forced to didn't have the capability of doing it and choosing players who they want, they might be forced to get more local for at least the next couple of seasons.
1: Yep. Hmm. Matt, do you get out and watch any local football at all without um, the A League being on the horizon?
0: No, but it might actually happen now. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. I wonder if that uh, other. Other fans will have the same opinion as yourself, is that because the A-League has gone into a hub system, it might go into a hub system next year. We might not be able to see that level of football on our doorstep. Well, the next level of football is our NPL system. Yep. Um, and the quality of the women's NPL is actually pretty good, Matt. The quality of the men's NPL is pretty good. Yep. Um, the weather's nice. Got final system coming up. It's time to get out and about, Matt. Cheap,
2: cheap beers at the club rooms.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yep.
2: Cheaper than at the glory ground.
1: Well, yeah, and um, yeah, to get in is, I don't know if they charge <laughs> it, to get in at NPL.
2: Price of beer isn't a priority for you, is it? No, not at all.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> Good tea and coffee. That's it. <laughs> all right, Matt. Um, thank you for joining us today. Matt, appreciate your thoughts on things. Yep. All right, and stay safe, stay well, and we'll chat you, again. You guys,
0: the same, okay, but anytime.
1: Good on you, Matt. Have a good weekend.
2: Thanks,
1: for you too. Bye. bye. Thanks, Matt. Matt, Stacey, the man behind the purple down at the ground and the big hat as well. <laughs> yeah, it's good to um, have a rethink about things, it's a bit of a reboot sometimes that you know, things don't happen in the way you expect or just don't happen at all and you go, okay, we just have to adapt and mm. yeah. move into a different space and what is that space let's talk about it and create whatever that space is going to be now
2: so the the, the plan from what i have heard is that the a league will resume later than normal i think they are talking about a december kickoff yeah. um partly obviously for covid and partly there is some talk maybe moving things back to be in line for winter mm. um which has implications, both good and bad. It, yeah, good. Agreed. Good that it lines up with the state leagues. Good that the weather's cooler and therefore players are fitter and skill levels are higher. Mm-hmm. Bad that um,
1: it conflict. It
2: conflicts with, with AFL and NRL, mm-hmm. and it also, you know, I mean, we're maybe, all diehards. Maybe time, we're happy. To, family
1: time too. Yeah. Fa-
2: well, no, no, no. Well, that's doesn't matter what time of year that is. But it's more like we're all diehards and would go to any game anyway. But if you've got the casual supporter. The choice of going on a balmy, you know, 30-degree Saturday evening versus cold and rainy 15 mm-hmm. degrees, you know, because it's June and they're playing. Uh, so so <laughs> well, it'll probably I'm have thinking, an impact on crowds. I'm thinking
1: more of a, a conflict if there's your local football that you're the Local
2: football okay. as well, yeah. People, you know, amateurs and
1: du- – Double and, time and a half. Yep. Mm. So uh, a few more late nights, but then again, Miranda's proven that whenever any football is out there, she'll be a part of it. That's right. <laughs> You'll have to learn the consequences of that, right, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's been great chatting football with you today. Lennon Baggs' groove is up next, and Sean will be hosting again next week. Thanks, Miranda. Thanks, Pete. Not a problem. Enjoyed chatting football. As always, this has been the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. See you later.
0: Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.